Welcome to the Catapulting Commission's podcast. This is the place where we discuss how to maximize performance and improve retention with today's modern sales force. Every conversation on the show has one goal in mind, and that is to catapult your commission. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia, international best-selling author, motivational speaker, and a lifelong sales enthusiast. Be sure to join me every week as we interview sales leaders and entrepreneurs from around the world. We will discuss best practices and ensure that you leave motivated and inspired to take action. Now, let's enjoy today's episode. Catapulting Commissions family, what's up team? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Catapulting Commissions podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia. Today, our guest comes from the other side of the world as the Catapulting Commission show is constantly looking for the top and most talented sales professionals, sales leaders, and sales trainers around the world. We bring them onto the show. We talk about catapulting commissions and ways to grow your commissions, increase your saleshood, increase the saleshood of the team you manage, or increase the commissions of the team you manage, and we continue to find the best guests in the world. Thank you for joining us this week. Our guest is Sarah Jolly Jarvis. She's an international best-selling author, a speaker. She is helping businesses secure more sales. She's from Warwick, England. Her entire brand has the most incredible title I've ever seen, Selling Without Sleaze. And we're going to talk about that concept. She has a book under the same name. She is the founder and CEO of Selling Without Sleaze Limited. She has built this company in sales training and has been doing it for an incredible amount of time. Excited to have her on the show. Sarah, thanks for joining the Catapulting Commissions podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you here, Sarah. So let's talk about this. Selling without sleaze. So I hear this title and I think of when someone says, hey, what do you do for a living? And I say, oh, I'm a sales professional, right? To the to the person who's not in sales, they're like, oh, it's like, I mean, you, I, if I tell I'm a salesperson, it's like, I, I don't know, you know, the career criminal and salesperson is like right <laughs> above it in some people's <laughs> eyes. They mean, you, you just hear when you're like, oh, I work in sales. Right. And you and you and it's always because they're, they're don't get me wrong. There's there's really crappy salespeople out there. We all know that. Right. If there, if there wasn't you and I wouldn't have a job. So there are there are people who 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 give sales professionals a bad name. But that's not the majority of the industry. So tell us a little bit. Selling without sleaze. Where did this come from? Um, it kind of evolved from I was talking around sales um, and it was it, at the time it was part of the same business and my husband and I were running. So he does lead generation, I do lead conversion. And um, it turned out that I was I, I started to do training under my own name to split it out from the business. And I was just like, I just felt like it needed to be more of a of a brand. Um, and going through and talking about it, it was like actually in quite a few of my lives, I'd actually said without being sleazy, um, you know, you don't have to um, sell your soul to increase your sales. And so it kind of evolved from there. Um, and then a mentor we're working with at the time was like, well, what about selling without sleaze? And obviously then you go onto your little search engines and see if someone's taken the website, which they hadn't. Um, and so um, it kind of, yeah, evolved from there. So I'm a big fan of saying what it says in the tin. And so, you know, that's what it's all around is, is helping people with sales techniques where they don't actually have to feel compromised as far as their own ethics are concerned. You know, when, when you say that, <laughs> I definitely want to dive into separating the, the lead gen and lead conversion, because I think too many times you get agencies that try to combine the two into one and it does create some challenges, right? It's, it's, it's two different skill sets. 
totally is. I think the thing was that actually I end up working quite a lot with the clients we have within the agency, but the clients who need my help aren't the people who are ready to scale up. So I work people who are generating sales a lot more organically. And so they're not in a position to start running paid ads. And when you know people come to us who are more um, of my sort of um, approach and need my help the most, um, they tend to be those people who yeah, they're not in a position to scale up. They might want to, but actually their messaging and everything else needs to be right before you put the magnifying glass that is paid advertising um, on, the, on their product offering. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, that's, that's an eye-opening conversation for entrepreneurs when they come in this, you know, you're, everybody wants to grow and scale, Yeah, but it's, it's hard. You know, that's a difficult conversation because are you ready to grow and scale? Because if I'm going to go and spend, you know, $10,000 a month on paid ads, do you have a system in place to handle it? And, and, you know, the number can get bigger depending on the company and the number can get smaller depending on the company. So that, that lead gen versus lead conversation, I mean, that, that in itself could be a whole different episode on what creates a great lead gen company book. My husband's probably better talking to you about that one than me. But <laughs> and, and that's the thing is he's doing more and more consulting around that is like, actually, are you ready? Um, everyone wants to start running ads and, and putting money behind it. But a lot of the time they want to do that um, because I mean, if they've got a problem with their organic, um, they want to start paying ads because they think, I know I'll put money behind it and it'll be all right. Um, but actually, it, it literally does just put a magnifying glass on on your offer. It points out all the little issues with it um, that haven't resonated organically. Um, and so, it, you know, Facebook just ends up charging you for <laughs> for the for the feedback of it's not resonating with your audience. Um, you can get that for free. Yeah, and take advantage of it for free. I know firsthand. I've you know we nobody would be where they're at if they didn't make mistakes. So I know what it's like to to run paid ads, get no sales, and you're like, what in the world? Oh, and <laughs> Facebook gives you this little monthly email recap. You spent X amount of dollars. I'm like, I didn't I didn't get nothing out of it, right? <laughs> so so listen, catapult the commissions family. If you're if you are in that position and you want to scale and grow your business, and you have a you know let's say a small medium sized business, and you're looking to to scale it, utilize an ad strategy, get lead generation taking place. I would encourage you to look at your business with a magnifying glass. I'd encourage you to hire a consultant, an expert, get with someone that looks at it and says, you are ready or you are not ready. And here's what you need to do. Don't, don't, there's no ego is like the depth of growth. Like, so if you have that ego and you're like, oh, my company's definitely ready. I, you know, I, it's it's really not. I mean, I, I, I've had conversations. It is very, very expensive. Yeah. I mean, I even know once I've, I've appeared on podcast episodes or media appearances sometimes when, or, you know, my funnel wasn't ready or different things early in my career. And I'm like, holy crap, dude, like, I'm not ready to capture all this new attention that's coming at me. I wasn't ready. Right. So it's, you know, we, we have to learn and grow from that. But sorry, you, you said something earlier. You said <clears throat> you work with people on how to sell without compromising their ethics. Yeah. What do you mean by that? I think, well, kind of winding it back a bit, I, I'm, I'm on a bit of a mission to help people see that actually you can generate sales. You, you can do sales successfully without um, having to, to sell your soul, without having to do things that don't sit right with you ethically. Um, and so it's about equipping people with the resources, with the tools, with the skills to be able to go out and sell their product to their ideal clients. Um, and, and that's what I'm all about. That's what I'm really passionate about doing. Um, you know, within the sales industry, we obviously know that the tactics that people see on the periphery, um, which, you know, are quite scary. I mean, when I came into the online world, 
Um, I couldn't believe the the type of things that cell trainers were putting out there and suggesting people did. Um, and so that was, you know, one of the reasons I got into this because um, it was so shocking because I come from a really regulated industry and I was like, you couldn't possibly say any of those things. And I think I've been in a really fortunate position because I've come from a regulated industry. I've been, I've had to learn to sell the proper way um, appropriately without doing all the, the pressure tactics and everything else. But, you know, I've seen them and I've had them encouraged to me at times. Um, but, you know, you are, you can be successful as I have been successful in my sales career without going beyond your, I, I, I call chili. Um, so I say that sneeze is like a chili scale. So, you know, it, where you're on that scale is where you're happy to function at. That's where your customers, you know, people who are your people will be attracted to you at that level. For some people, I'm a bit of a korma girl, so anything hotter than chicken tikka masala and I'm done. Um, whereas, you know, for some people, they're only starting out at that point. Equally with the, with the whole, you know, how direct you want to be, what language you want to use, you know, how, how assertive you want to be in a sales conversation um, is, again, it's on that scale, but it's meeting people, my client-wise, meeting them where they're at and helping them to, to build those resources in their own style. You know, when you, when you, when you break it down that way, it literally takes the component of sales and says, I'm going to treat you like a human because I'm a human too. I mean, that, that's it at its core. And I know, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. I didn't need to write a hard book. Just the one page would have done it. That's it. I'm going to treat you like a human because I'm a human. But hearing you say this, Sarah, it's, it's, I, it's enlightening. It's exciting. I share a lot of the, you know, the resonance. Like when I first started looking at some of the sales trainers and some of the, the philosophies being taught, right. And this, it's garbage. It's just, it is just this high pressure sleazy. I'm gonna follow up with you to the day I die. I'm going to keep asking if you made a decision. I'm gonna be in your face. I'm gonna be aggressive. And I, and I look at it and I'm like, there's a time and place for everything. And if that is the only tool, because that's a tool when deployed at a certain times, depending on what you're trying to accomplish, can be, can be effective. I don't know if it's effective for the long term. I think our consumers are smarter now than they've ever been before. I think many times salespeople sacrifice a transactional sale for a long-term customer. So there's, there's a lot of that going on. But to, to hear you say that, in you, you make sales fun. You make it enlightening you you make it a part of a normal conversation so let me ask you this are salespeople born or are they trained i think i think they can be trained um i've met in the whole time that i've been doing this i was a product manager before that i was in the sales team i was helping sales train sales team members um i've only met two people i may have recently met my third so three people Mm -hmm. ever who uh, the jury's still out on them though. I'm not totally Mm -hmm. giving up, but three people who shouldn't sell, who should pass it on to somebody else to sell for them. You know, by the time you get to, in my case, most of my clients are in their own businesses. By the time you get to that stage, you have a certain level of communication to have made it that far. Um, You can capitalize on that communication. Um, I think lots of people think they need to be extroverted when actually I prefer to help introverts. Um, But it's, it's a lot, um, you know, I think there's a lot of skills you can take from normal life. There's a lot of scenarios where you're naturally selling. Um, and I think honing them and kind of molding them, you're just taking those skills. They're all rough around the edges and you're molding them into something a lot more succinct to something which you can, you know, really sort of cut through 
and, and get to the point. And I think that's what you're kind of aiming at. So, you know, they're like little rough diamonds. Um, you know, you can definitely take the vast majority of people and help themselves more. Some people are going to be naturally more talented than other. It's like musicians. It's like everything. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, hard work will, will, will for, you know, go better than um, natural talent if you're not going to put any effort in. Yeah, hundred percent. Hard work always, always overcomes talent. But I'm, I'm interested. You said most people think you have to be an extrovert. You prefer to work with introverts. I saw so, that face. He was like, I noticed you clocking it. He was like, I, I, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I made a mental note. I'm like, I'm not gonna let that go. That's a good one. <laughs> like, it's, it's true. Is there's so many people that say you have to be an extroverted outgoing type a personality to succeed in sales and i'm like i don't know man i know some silent killers that are the quietest person in the room but generate the most revenue like so help me understand when you say you prefer to work with introverted people that want to become a salesperson like what does that journey look like like let's say i come to you and i say okay sarah you know i I have my small business i don't like i don't like being on the phone i don't i don't like zooms like i'm not i don't want to like outgoing. I feel like I'm bothering people, right? This is like the key. I don't want to bother people. And I, I, I'll use this for my wife, right? My, my wife owns a business and she actually owns a couple businesses and she is, she grows organically. But when it comes to her outbounding, she's like, I don't want to bother people. Like people will see me. I'm like, no, you know, you, you said you're married. I'm married. Happy wife, happy life. I am not going to be her sales trainer. So I am not going to, I am not going to tell her what to do. But in that same capacity, I'm going to have her listen to this episode. So how does somebody who chooses to be introverted succeed in sales? Like, what's the steps? Like, how do they get comfortable? How do how me understand this? Well, well, for me, my thought process tends to be, you know, I don't, I don't tend to categorize them, but it does tend to be quite obvious when somebody okay. comes to me, whether they are the introvert, the extrovert. I think my key thing with extroverts is, is that we can be, I mean, we, I say we, because I am quite extrovert, um, <laughs> is um, that sometimes they're just waiting for the customer to shut up so they can talk. And so they're not actually listening. And I think listening is quite a tricky skill to teach. And I'd rather be teaching somebody to get their message out there. Um, and you've got, the ca- you've got their passion to capitalize on. If somebody runs that business, if they're really into their product, whether they own the business or not, if you're really into your product, you can't wait to share that information. Um, and even for an introvert, you know, that's getting them that little bit more potentially assertive. Then you've got the fact that I always liken it. We go through, we discuss stuff, but you know, it, it boils down to, in a nutshell, that you, know, you wouldn't let your best friend pass by an opportunity. And, you know, if, if they were doing something that you thought was really dumb or they were missing up an opportunity, which was really smart. I had one of my friends a few months ago and they were looking at passing up on a dream job because they didn't feel the timing was right. And I could not hold myself back telling them, actually, no, you know what? You've got to get out there. You've got to do that because that's right for you. And in the same way, if you're really passionate over your product and you know your product can truly help that perfect customer, that ideal customer, um, are you really going to sit by and let that person sell past when they could have been a perfect example of how great your offering is? You know, from that, that person was a walking testimonial. They were walking evidence that what you do is amazing. Um, you just needed that person to take up that opportunity. And I think if you approach the, the sales process as that, as, you know, you have something, that person has a need or a want, and you can fulfill that need or want. If you can't, then that's a totally different conversation. But assuming you can and you know you can, then why wouldn't you want to to tell them about it? Um, you're doing them a disservice not to. 
And so rather than thinking, you know what, I'm bothering that person, you're switching your brain to thinking, you know what, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm a problem to them if I don't tell them. Mm. I like that. Yeah, you, you are a problem. Like you, you have the magic that can make their life easier. Yeah. And, and I like how you say that, right? You're a problem if you don't share it, if you don't talk about it, if you don't yeah. have that conversation. Uh, you know, uh, too many times I think the, the, the newer or introverted or people who aren't comfortable with sales feels like it's this creepy, like, I'm going to try to sell you something. And, and it's not really, it's not really that. I mean, it's, you have a problem. I have a solution. I feel really bad if I didn't tell you about my solution. So I, I, I like, I like that concept. So in, in selling without sleaze, let's talk about some of the sleaze that you eliminate with your methodologies that you teach. Right. So let's, 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 you know, give me some of the things that you say, Hey, this is what we're not going to do. This is not what sales is, or this is not what I teach. What would those this statements is, be? This is a, this is a really great timing because we actually did. We're, we're creating ads at the moment, and um, we've done a little. I did a little skit for on like things that people say, and we've got the team to to refilm it today. So this is it's this exciting. Is totally, I've spent the entire day doing this. Um, so you know, the false scarcity, the, you know, if you don't buy it now, then you're never, you're never going to have the opportunity. And, and the thing is, is, you know, everybody knows that you need to provide some sort of push or pull factor for someone to make a decision. Um, cause otherwise it just, you know, they, they go along with their life and, and things other things take over. And before you know it, they've forgotten how important that need was, um, or, you know, a competitor's come in. So, you know, I, you know, you need to want, you want to close that deal. You want to move that process along, but using false scarcity, as you said before, the audience, our audiences have got smarter and smarter. You know, everyone, all these different things that are going on, all these timers and everything else, people are like, oh, yeah, and then that same deal will be up next week. You know, that it's just not, it doesn't conjure them up the way it used to anyway, but it's still being used. People are still doing the false scarcity thing. The, the thing about, oh, you know, I've got to go and check with my boss um, and, you know, ramp up that, oh, we never give discounts, but actually in this case, um, you know, it, it's all those sorts of, um, you know, back them into a corner and, you know, until they can't say no. Um, so, you know, you're verbally getting them into a position where they can't do anything but agree with you in that moment in time, basically, to get you off their back. Um, so it's all those those actions, um, the, the, the bullying tactics, the shaming people. Also, if you have to check with your other half, does your other half actually run the business? I thought it was you. You know, all those sorts of things, all those forcing people to make a decision there and then. Um, you know, even scripts, I'm not, I don't, I don't agree with scripts. Um, I'm not a fan of scripts. Um, I think that people, you know, when you're, when you're really, really annoyed with somebody and you want, you know, you're, you're going for an argument, you're going to go in there, you're going to have a conversation with them. You haven't written down, like, what you're going to say. Like, at best, you've got some mental notes. Like, if you can manage in that capacity to get out what you wanted to say and express yourself, why do you need to express yourself? robotically using somebody else's words and that's the thing is is it doesn't it gets in the way of the no like trust particularly when you're working online if your language isn't you know you haven't got continuity with your language um because you become somebody else because that was the sales trainer at the time um you're taking up their words you're taking up their behaviors you're saying things that you wouldn't naturally say and that's the thing is is people want you want to be able to sell within your own spectrum of words um when you start choosing other people's words that becomes incongruent with who you are. Um, it makes you feel weird. It makes them feel weird. And then that, that chips away at the trust that you're building. Hey, I wanted to take a quick minute and interrupt this episode. I hope you're enjoying what you have heard thus far. 
Have you heard the good news? The international best-selling book, Catapulting Commissions, has been named a 2021 Selling Power Magazine book recommendation. And I want to thank you, the Catapulting Commissions family. You can claim a free copy by texting hello to 661-228-8967. You can also find out more information at catapultingcommissions.com. Okay, let's get back to the show. Mm. Again, I'm going to talk to you like a human because I'm a human. And I, I just, I, I love it. I, I really do. This, this, I wrote, I wrote, I wrote, wouldn't be bestseller though, would it? <laughs> no, that would that would that wouldn't be a bestseller. That would not be a bestseller. No, so selling without sleeves is a bestseller. I am not trying to change the title here, but I am telling you, man, you you hit a couple things here, right? The the false scarcity. Oh my goodness, that as a consumer, that drives me crazy. Like I, I look at him like, dude, let's let's just be honest. Like let's, I you're. You're not going to pressure me. If matter of fact, the moment I acknowledge or recognize someone has like a false scarcity tactic, it actually turns me off completely. I'm like, ah, you know what? I'm not going to do business with you. Like, if you're not going to be the process to to think, go through my algorithm in my head before I say yes or no, and I get it. And yes, there is that push pull factor. I like that. But shaming clients, I mean, that is that is sleaze 101. Like, that is just guys. I mean, this is it's 2021. Like, I've, met not, so many not okay. people. I've met so many people though who've who've been told to to do that by trainers. Wow. Like like still like within the last six months, like I work with somebody who they've been told by a trainer that that's what they should say. Yeah, yeah, I I believe that, and there are some really <laughs> famous. I'm not going to call them good, but there are some famous sales <laughs> trainers or personal development. Uh, people who teach sales and I, as a connoisseur in this industry, you know, anytime I think someone's doing something at a level higher or greater than me, I'm like, Oh, let me, let me buy your stuff. Let me see what you're teaching. And I, some of the stuff I teach, I'm like, Oh oh my goodness. No, no wonder why. Like you're, you're the reason we have a bad name. And because your name is so, because your name is so big, more people I mean, I, I, I've had clients that am like, Oh, I, I bought XYZ sales training program and I put it on for all my sales reps. And I'm like, and and now you're coming to me asking me how come your sales reps aren't performing? Well, I can tell you why. You're 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 literally giving them garbage, and and I, I don't get that. Well, let's talk that scripts. I've never heard the analogy broken down the way you said it. Right? You, I, I don't go. I don't have a. If I'm gonna have a d- debate with my wife tonight, I don't have a script and say, "Hey, honey, I'm gonna follow this script." It, it's a really authentic, authentic, organic, natural conversation. But let's let's go. Let's go counter opposite of that if i'm trying to sell my product or my service right some newer sales professionals find confidence in that script so how do you prep that new person to say okay you know what you might not have a script but here's how we're going to develop your confidence what does that process look like so the, the confidence comes from structure so it's a structure to fall back mm. on so I, I describe it as a toolbox. So, you know, you have your toolbox in that, like all your different elements in there, your resources, your metaphors, your, um, you know, your, your USPs, your um, responses to sort of like your two, three main needs that you, you meet and how you'd go around talking around that, the questions that you need to ask. And so if you give somebody that structure, um, then they can use that structure to feel that confidence. So I think that a lot of the time what I've seen with scripts is when people are, you know, People are nervous and they take it word by word. And it actually 
it, it just removes the, uh, the brain's ability to, it's not even working, I don't think, the right part of the brain, the correct part of the brain. Um, you know, it's just, they're just reading. And, and so when something comes in a bit left field, when the customer asks something random that they haven't got on that script, they, they can't actually think for themselves because their brain's been in this reading state. And then all of a sudden it's kind of forced into the, the current and what's going on and it's supposed to respond and they just can't. And that person could have naturally responded to that question had they not have kind of clipped their own wings to be just thinking around, um, you know, reading that script. Mm. So what I do is I get clients to do prompts. So you okay. construct a call. You've got key, you know, you've got key conversations. You've got key questions you need to ask. Um, so, and that's, I, I call it signposts. So they signpost you off onto different routes of questioning, depending on that person's response. You need to know those questions. So have those questions there. And there's nothing wrong with writing notes in a call. You know, if you say to a client, I'm just going to write some notes here. Um, so I've got a clear picture. No one minds about that. Um, and so, you know, that's what you could be doing is, is you, you can be filling out those prompts, but it's not telling you word for word. It's, it's telling you what you need to know. Um, and, and so it's prompting those questions. And then, you know, depending on those, those responses, they're things that you can already have worked on. And I, I am a big fan of role play, you know, practicing beforehand. You shouldn't be practicing in front of a customer. Let's be, you know, let's face it. It's, it's harder and harder to get in front of your ideal client. And then you don't want to be wasting that opportunity by practicing your sales pattern that you could have done with a colleague, with a member of your family, whoever. Um, and so it's the practice before you get in there. Yeah, I've I've managed sales reps. I one in particular, she was an amazing sales rep for the life of her. She hated role play, but every time I would get her to role play, it was like pulling teeth, but it was it was good because you hear the flaws, you hear the disconnect and and yeah, anybody who says, "Hey man, you know, it's one thing to not like role playing." Like I, I or even hate role playing. I get it. Like I I, didn't I, I don't like, like it. going I, I don't, I don't like role playing. I don't like going to the gym. You got to do both, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of in that same category. So, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate, you know, hearing your, your perspective on that. And having those prompts, I would imagine the more you execute on those prompts, the easier the conversation becomes, like more repetition. Is that correct? Yeah, that's the thing is, is it's, it's practice. So then, and as you say, you find the flaws in it. And, that, and that's the thing is that's where you need to come out of a call and you actually need to sit and reflect and think, you know, what, what went well, what would I do differently next time? You know, like I've tried metaphors and then I've been like, that was really painful and no one got it. Let's not use that one next time. Um, and so, or, you know, that one could work, but I think it needs a bit more tweaking. And so it's just understanding like where it's at and, and you are going to have an element of learning. If you're not learning in your calls, then you know, like you, you need to have a bit of a word with yourself, but, um, you know, your initial basics you can you can do the basics without having a live customer in front of you um you can make sure you're up to scratch and i remember working for um it was glaxo smithline and um mm. they actually got us to role play with uh, what would be customers they got brought customers in to help us practice and we had to hit a certain amount of points from that customer in order to be allowed to go out and sell um wow. it, it, it was strict um i've not work from a script you're not allowed to work from a script but boy did i spend hours role playing yeah i look at some of the some of the most complex sales processes that i was involved in when i was a individual sales contributor there were very much i wouldn't say completely scripted but they were very much prompt like i knew 
the moment the conversation went this direction, this is the line of question. And if it didn't, I knew what my fallback was. Like, I never was shooting from the hip. Like, hey, let's let's talk. Like, what's going on, guys? Like, yeah, you don't want to waste those opportunities. So, all right. So, in the in these prompts you're giving for somebody to sell without sleeves, it comes this magic question: How do I close? Like, when do I say, hey? Like, in the layman's term, Sarah, will you buy my stuff? Right. But how does that come up in? This process of selling without sleeves, I'm following the prompts, I'm not on script, I'm having a normal conversation. What does that process look like? So you're having a normal conversation, you've understood what's driving that customer's need or want. So you're understanding whether it's a want or a need, how important it is, what the priority is for them. Um, You're driving it based on what their needs are and what their outlook is, not and that's the thing is a lot of people jump on people. As soon as it goes into a certain certain route, they're like, right. And they kind of pounce. You can actually see them verbally pouncing on this person. Um, and, then, and so, you know, it's understanding. It's getting a, you know, a real understanding of that person. You know, that's why the, the customer should be doing most of the talking. Um, then you'd move on to explaining and relating what, how your product and its features and benefits relate to that need um, so that they're in a position where they understand how you can meet that need. I tend to say, and this is where I work with people individually. So even when they're doing some of my digital stuff, um, they will still have a, like a consolidation call where we'll look at and make sure that it, it's right and it fits for, for them and their their vocabulary, their ideal customer. Um, and so in that conversation, you know, we'll look at well, um, you've you've gone and, and explained that to them. I, I tend to then say to them, you know, what are your thoughts? Um, and you know, they, that can range from them going, cause I'm a bit of a thoughts person. I'm not a feelings person. Some people at that stage might say, you know, how do you feel about that? Um, and it's, you're going to prompt that person to share what they think about what you've just said and, and how you can relate to their need. Um, you know, that's when your objections, you're kind of almost inviting objections cause that's when they all tend to come up. Um, you know, if that person is, is saying all the right things, then, you know, I'm not, a you know, <laughs> start closing as soon as you're opening, but I am keen on, well, you, you take that prompt from that person. And so if, if that is progressing, then you take them along that next stage. And the thing is, is it, it might be one call, it might be multiple to get them to a point where they actually purchase, but it's moving them along that sales process. So, you know, if they're saying to you, well, great, where do I sign? <laughs> then you're not going to go, are you sure? You know, not got any questions for me? You know, you take that person on face value. And I think I'm, I'm always a big fan of doing that. And, and people are like, well, what happens if they're just giving me lip service? Well, they're just giving you lip service, but that's for them to flag up and, and for you to, to to talk through with them at a point when it's raised and when it's clear. Um, up until that point, take someone at face value because otherwise you don't look like you've got the, the trust. You don't look like you you do this on a regular basis. I mean, if you're like, you sure you want to progress? Um, you know, it, it puts doubt in their mind, whereas this is you day in, day out. Why wouldn't you want to? If this is the right solution for that person, why wouldn't they be jumping on it? Um, and so, you know, it, it, it's almost you get into sort of an assumptive style kind of scenario where you're just like, right, okay, well, you know, where do we go? And I actually did a breakdown the other day. Um, I did some training where we went through a transcription of, of a call that I'd done. Um, and the call was never designed to be um, transcribed and then used as training. Um, but it was one that I had. And so that was the one I used. And um, in that, you know, I'd said, so shall we sign you up then? And that was my, you know, we'd had a chat. We talked about stuff. We'd got clarity. They were very pre-sold. Um, but then, you know, it was just a case of going, so, you know, let's, let's crack on. Um, and so that worked for that person because that was their, their communication style. And it's obviously it's understanding, um, where that person, what that person's style is like and, and, and how you're communicating with them and therefore how direct you can be as a fallback when you're first starting out, you know, you go with what's comfortable for you. 
Um, and so, you know, it, it's when it makes sense, you know, this person's progressing along, right, okay, then let's suggest next steps. Um, and obviously you want that buy-in from both. But for me, the clothes is, is something that is, is um, over-focused on because for me, it's, it's a bit like an exam. The sales call's a bit like an exam. You know, the work that you've done up to that point, um, obviously you've got to put pen to paper in an exam. You've got to, you know, fill out and, and put it down the data. But the, the groundwork is done for you prior to the call. The less that's done for you prior to the call, the more work you've got to do in the call. Um, but it, you can, it, it's important to have that groundwork in and to, to then, you know, you're going through that process in the call. There's less pressure on the call. Um, and for, by the time you get to the close, you should know what that person's going to say. You know, it's a bit like proposing. Um, how many guys now get down on one knee without already knowing it's really in the bag? Um, and, and it's the same with the clothing. I I love that. You're you're absolutely correct, right? Many guys aren't proposing without knowing the answer in advance. Um, no. You know, they're, they're, they have like a 95%, 98% certainty they know the response. And to hear you say that in the, the sales process, right? I shouldn't be asking for business at the end without knowing it. It's almost like, you know, there's that, that old saying, right? There's the assumptive close, right? And then for years, people talk like, assume you're going to make the sale. The, the problem with the assumptive close is it assumes, hence the assumptive, it assumes you did a good sales process in the beginning. And if, and I, I can't tell you how many times people try to sell me something, they give me assumptive close. And I'm like, you're assuming I'm going to buy from you based on what? Like we, we don't have, a, you have no idea what I'm, struggling with you have no idea what my problem is you have no idea how how much money this problem is costing me but you're assuming i'm going to buy your service business product widget etc so i like how you how you say that and they don't even know that they can definitely help and i think that's the thing and like this is a conversation where you figure out particularly if you're in a service scenario where you're going to be working alongside this person um you know you don't you don't want to be working with someone if you can't help them and you don't want to be working with someone if you don't like them um you know if you can't get on with them it's a two-way process it is like dating sales is like dating you know, yeah. don't go proposing on the first date. Don't go jumping into someone's DMs and selling them because you have no idea. It, I, to me, I find it disrespectful. You have no idea if that person is the right person for you. You're not respecting your product and you're not respecting that person. Yeah, 100%. And and I I get sold in my DMs daily and I've <laughs> I've never bought anything someone sells me in the DMs. Not because I'm against it, just mostly nine out of 10. I'm like, dude, you like are... This is bad. There's some creative ones that get a little bit like I'm because I keep saying it on every like I, I must have said this at least 20 times on podcasts. Right. I'm like, dude, quit selling me in the DMs. And now I get people who are a little bit more creative when they try to sell. Uh, I haven't really, you know, they haven't really identified what it is I'm looking for, what I need. And a lot of times it's, you know, because what I do, what I in what I do, I, I have a lot of systems in place. So there's not much that I don't need that I don't know where to find. But I always appreciate a good like I, I appreciate like the the sportsmanship of sales. Like I really do. Like I appreciate the tactic, but selling in the DMS guys, like your first interaction, it's super like that is the definition of sleazy. Yeah. It is. It is. So, so I send them, I now have a pre-written response, which includes the, um, the landing page to my book. <laughs> good. Good for you. I like that. I've, I've got friends who use it as well. So yeah, people send them my way. <laughs> Good for you. And, and a lot of the time it is a lack. It comes from desperation. Mm -hmm. um, and so there is a lack of what do I do now? Uh, and, and I think a lot of it, they are desperate and they're just like, well, I'll just send this out and then hopefully with somebody it'll stick. 
um the, the sort of the one that I always kind of recall and make comments around is when I was pregnant with um well with my third child mostly um they <laughs> I'd get PTs messaging me telling me that they could help me lose weight uh, yeah. and I was like no I don't think you can <laughs> a midwife can help me lose weight yeah. <laughs> i have a different problem buddy <laughs> and i think you do too if you can't tell the difference yeah but, absolutely yeah. <laughs> but it was it was really interesting that you know people do it and it does tend to be out of desperation and and i think that's the thing is is when you look at people and certain areas of cells and and mlm and all that sort of stuff get a bad name but it's people who are they're not they're not been trained they haven't been supported and that's what happens when people are just kind of thrown out there and, and told to sell. Yeah, 100%. You know, Catapult to Commissions family, look at yourself, look at your sales process, look at your company right now. Are you prepared to be where you need to be? Are you prepared to execute where you're supposed to execute? And if you're the business owner, is your team, your sales team, are they trained to execute? Are they trained to sell without sleaze? Because let's just be honest, guys. It is 2021 and the days of this high pressure in your face are going to go away. If they're not already away, I promise you the next five to 10 years, if you look at the younger generation, they are not going to respond to the tactics that <laughs> sold our grandparents and parents. Like it just doesn't work. So Sarah Jolly Jarvis, best-selling author, selling without sleaze. Can you help the Catapulta Commission's family? How do they get connected with you? What's the URL? Where do they track your social media? Where do they learn more about your book? All that fun stuff. So the best place to find me is on my podcast. So that's Selling Without Sleaze. I mean, like literally, I am consistent across all platforms. Um, it's, so that's Selling Without Sleaze. Um, the information's there on the book. The links are in the um, show notes. Um, you've also got um, information straight there to the, to the buy the book um, and also my social channels, LinkedIn, Facebook um the regular so yeah selling without sneezes is what you're looking for um and i am the only sarah jolly jarvis in the world so good for you sarah i am like the one millionth anthony garcia it's like the john smith of latin names so i wasn't when i was just the jolly i was i was there was a lot more of me but um yeah well sarah jolly jarvis international best-selling author of selling without sleeves thank you for joining the catapulted commission show catapulted commissions family do me that favor Go like, subscribe, get connected with Sarah, get her book, learn more about selling without sleeves because the better salesperson you are, the better our industry grows as a whole. You know what to do. Like, subscribe, comment, and I will see you next week. Catapulting Commission's family, that does it for today's episode. If you found some value, please be sure to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. Don't forget to subscribe. That way you're notified of new episodes. If you want to see the video portion of this podcast, head over to YouTube and look up Catapulting Commissions Podcast. Finally, if you want a free copy of Catapulting Commissions, be sure to text the word HELLO to 661-228-8967. Again, text the word HELLO to 661 228 8967. Thanks for listening to the show. I'll see you next week.